0: Ladies and gentlemen, it's Friday. It looks like we made it. I'm so stoked everyone's here. I hope you're having a beautiful day. I have an incredible guest for you with an incredible story. And I think it's a, it's a story that weaves together the idea of trauma and overcoming tragedy and different modalities. And in some ways, I think the story you're about to hear today will echo through your home, and you will see parts of yourself in this story. So without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, it is with great pleasure and excitement that I introduce you to a remarkable individual who has journeyed through life's some of life's most formidable challenges, emerging as a beacon of healing and hope and transformation. Angela Lero, she's a survivor, a conqueror, and has come across some of life's biggest adversities like breast cancer, Lyme disease, mold toxicity having family members leave her at an early age and i could go on and on but i think i would just stop my talking right here and kick it over to you angela how are you doing today
1: hi george aloha (laughs) i am doing i'm doing really really well today and i'm just so honored and I feel so much gratitude to be able to chat with you, to meet you, to connect with you, and to do this uh, podcast with you and to share my story with so many other people. So, thank you so much for, for having me today. How are you?
0: Well, it's a great question. Thank you for asking. I, I'm going to go with fair and I want to okay. jinx it. It's kind of early in the morning. And if I say Very I'm doing true. good, something could happen but the signs are showing me that things are looking pretty good today and i i try to always see that the glass is half full you know i i realize there was so much going on in the world like i'm lucky to have a pillow to sleep on and i got people in my life that love me and i'm doing something i love and i'm getting to share stories with with people that i think are transformative and can show a path for other people and both you and i are working on Rand's project heal where we're we're doing our best to try to help people by sharing vulnerable parts about ourselves that are pretty uncomfortable at times. And um, hopefully it resonates with other people, but that brings me to this idea of trauma. And, and, you know, that's kind of why I, my personal opinion is that trauma and horrible things happen to you because it's this thing in life where we're tested. And when these things happen to you, the test is, okay, it happened to you because number one, you're strong enough to get through it. And number two, the world needs people to go through these traumas so it can turn around and help the next person through. And you know, when when we talk about trauma in your life, you face some really big adversities in your life. And as we were talking prior to getting started, it started at a pretty early age for you. Maybe you could fill people in on on how we began the conversation.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, before I do, I wanted to actually just um, kind of piggyback on what you were saying about, about trauma and, you know how it can really when when you go through such adversity and traumatic experiences how um how it can really help people get through their own and um i've lived by this quote saying you know your what you're going through currently is someone else's lifeline mm. and that for me made the biggest difference not only my healing journey as a patient but also as becoming a practitioner because I never want, and I think that I think that it's like a collective thing that people that have gone through such immense traumas that we have such deep compassion in our hearts that we've really made it a mission to help others, but also to be their lifeline so that they know that they're not alone because we know firsthand what that loneliness and that suffering feels like within ourselves and, um, So, so yeah, I, I completely like resonated with what you said there. And I just wanted to state that before I forgot.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's true.
1: Yeah. Um, but no, um, like as we were, as we now to answer your question, (laughs) I'll have to go back to where we were. (laughs) Sorry for that tangent. It's perfect. (laughs) Uh, um but no i uh, thank you for for knowledge for the acknowledgement and um but yes i have been through i, I mean i've just been through a very through trauma i guess you could say through hell really mm-hmm. and back um especially like more so over the last 10 years but really if i have to look at my trauma as a whole i've been battling trauma since I was a child Um, and I really feel that that trauma is what kind of set the bar for the trauma that I've experienced through my healing journey, which I'll talk to you about, you know, later on, but, but, um, no, I, um, I grew up in a very emotionally dysregulated home, um, you know, with a very, um, intense father who I, you know, ended up losing when when I was only nine years old, Um, unexpectedly, uh, he passed away. And I was really sick growing up as a child as well. I I had mysterious illnesses and weird symptoms. And at the same time, I had um, a lot of mystical experiences happening that I knew I inherited from my father because my dad was an incredible psychic, an incredible mentalist. Um he could read people's mind, which was really an art that I just like I could talk to you about that for wow. hours. I mean, that was one of the most incredible features about him was that we could just I commute like the way that he could read. People's minds, and we would he would like make games out of it where we would take uh, cards, you know, and he could go through a whole deck of cards, telling you every single number and every single suit that these cards were in, and and through his gifts, he gave that gift of um, intuition and mediumship, and so you know, like at this early age, between like maybe three and five, I started developing my own spiritual gifts. And um, so as I was going through my own health issues um, through those, my childhood years, and then losing my father, I felt like not like, yes, I lost my dad, but there was a part of those gifts that were trying to develop, but I didn't have a teacher. And that became very traumatic for me because I, not only was I, you know, dealing with the trauma of losing my father but trying to navigate seeing spirits when you're 4 and 5 years old screaming you know every morning because you you see a ghost or a spirit or you know you're feeling something or you're hearing something but you, you you know you think like that you're going crazy and you it's not like I could you know so I would sit there and you know after my after I lost my dad you know I would sit there and try to talk to his spirit um, but it ended up becoming such a traumatic time for me, especially as I became a teenager, because I didn't want anybody to know these things about me. <laughs> <laughs> so I um, you know, I was really trying to not be the, the weird girl and trying to find myself as a teenager like everyone else. So and at the same time I'm still having all of these health issues. Mysterious hormonal issues, and Western doctors were just not giving me any help. And um, you know, my mom used to joke and say that CVS uh, had my own, or I had my own uh, medicine cabinet at CVS because all the doctors would do was just, you know, we'd go to the, we'd go to the doctor and get another prescription. Oh, uh, you know, that prescription didn't work. We'd go back to CVS and have another one. I mean. I've been living at the doctor's my whole life. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, again, it's just the that traumatic of just... And then just the, you know, the trauma of um, having... Going through more and more loss as I got older and the relationship with my mom changed significantly when she started dating. Mm. So, it was just like one thing after another. And then eventually when I graduated high school, you know, I just moved to Los Angeles and went to college out there. And that was even though it was awesome, it was still kind of traumatic because I left my home. um, And but I made a new home for myself there. And, you know, fast forward 10 years later at 28 years old, I'm 38 now, um, I got breast cancer. So um so then that was more trauma and more disease but ultimately that diagnosis of breast cancer um I also was diagnosed at the same time with like an autoimmune disease in my esophagus called eosinophilic esophagitis which um was created by an abundance of like histamine in my body and mast cells and so I really turned to a spiritual approach because, at that point, you know, here I am, you know, twenty some years later of going through medical doctors, medical doctors, medical doctors, that led me to this um, diagnosis of breast cancer, and um, Western medicine was still not working. Other than I, I did get a mastectomy, mm-hmm. but after that, everything just started to blow up in my face and um during that that time um was when i met a reiki master who happened to be volunteering for my cancer center and um she came over to me the minute i met her and she just looked at me and she goes you know why you're sick (laughs) and i just looked at her and i was like no because i think i'm gonna die at this point (laughs) And I don't really care why I'm sick. And she goes, Well, I think you should know that you're sick because you're not using your gifts. Wow. And I just remember just like starting to cry because I had been, I knew it was like the secret that I'd been carrying around my entire life. And I didn't want anybody to know this. And I'm 28 years old in my cancer center, you know, feeling like I'm going to die. And this stranger, you know, who I just met, mm-hmm. tells me this. And I said, okay, well, I just never had the teacher. And she just looked at me and she goes, well, when the student's ready, the teacher appears.
2: <laughs> That's the true.
1: And I just like immediately just burst into tears. And she channeled Reiki for me that day at the cancer center. And then afterwards, I agreed to start seeing her privately. And she worked with me like no other. She gave me the most beautiful blessing I um, that I could have ever, ever asked for. Um, <laughs> because at that time, I mean, I was sick. I was broke. I was broken. <laughs> um, I didn't have, I had, I had support of my boyfriend, but that was, you know, I didn't have a lot of support from friends or family because I was 3000 miles away. So it wasn't like I had, you know, family surrounding me. And this woman just was like, I don't want you to pay me for any of these services because I didn't have any money. She goes, all I want you to do is show up and do the work. And I didn't know what that meant. Mm I was like, yeah. I'll show up. I don't know what the work is, but I'll work. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I showed up every single week at her house and for over almost 10 months. And at the time, now, I, when I moved to Los Angeles, I went to school for fashion, and I was working in the fashion industry. And when I got sick, thankfully, I was able to take a leave of absence from my job but as you know, the fashion industry is very material and it's very like high paced, high, you know, fast paced. Yeah. And I was working and with like high at a high end, uh, retailer and, um, you know, I was doing personal shopping and personal styling and I was working with celebrity clients and I was just like, as I was going through cancer, you know, losing my breast and losing my femininity at the same, you know, that's what it felt like, um, I was losing everything. Um, the one thing that I was finding during this spiritual journey working with her um, was that it didn't really care so much about fashion anymore, but I knew that I was going to have to figure out what I was going to do next. And after one of my sessions with her, after about nine months of healing now, mind you during that nine months of healing with Reiki, I reversed every single, um, I'll like, like all my allergies were reversed, all my food allergies were reversed, all of my um, post-cancer symptoms were reversed. Um, my nervous system regulated. I literally was, I went from being bedridden to walking again. And that was just through the Reiki and the energy work that I was experiencing with her. And I remember coming out of one of my sessions with her and I remember always setting that intention of like, what am I going to do next once I heal? And I just looked at her and I said, I'm feeling really called to do this work. Like this is my mission to turn my pain into purpose. And I just remember we both started crying and then I started training with her with Reiki. And um, because during that time I was working with her as I was healing, it was also because my intuition it was like I let it out of a box. I let myself be, get out of this this box of uh like feeling like I was a prisoner and being able to show up for myself and not be afraid of these claircognizant messages and clairvoyant visions and these, you know, messages that I was getting from spirit. I was able to start navigating them and listening to them and, and harnessing them and I started working with angels and talking to angels and divinely receiving these messages. And so once I started working with her, with like attuning with Reiki and honoring this, I, you know, it took a while as my attunement, you know, there's several attunements. So I had, you know, Reiki one, and then I worked really hard just to, figure out how to uh like harness that energy and practice working on people and then once I got my level 2 attunement I immediately started my practice and it was the craziest thing because I had taken this leap of faith to do this professionally but you know per- for personal re- like for personal reasons because I just I believed in it so much and became so passionate about it and I, my, at the same time, my job, like my, um, what needed me to come back, because my I could only take, you know, so long off of my from my leave, so my leave was expiring. And um, they called and said, you know, well, we have you to start, you know, in two weeks. And I just remember being on the phone and saying, I'm really grateful that you held my position for this long. But unfortunately, I've taken um, you know, another route. And so I won't be coming back. And I remember hanging up the phone and I was again, trauma response. Oh my gosh.
2: Yeah.
1: Hi, I just jumped off a cliff. What am I doing? I just left the most stable and secure thing that I have in my life. I'm taking this plunge. I'm starting this practice. <laughs> I, I don't even know if my rent's going to get paid. Thankfully, my boyfriend was living with us at the time. But like, but um, I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I can't believe I just did this. But I knew in my heart that at that point, I didn't really care what people were wearing on their body. I cared more about what people were feeling inside their body. And, you know, because I realized that that, you know, during my own journey was that all of our health issues stem from emotional repressed trauma. and. Um, You know, and that is what dysregulates our nervous system. And if our nervous system is not regulated, if we're not harnessing our truth, if we're not speaking into our truth or speaking into our hearts and feeling our emotions and just suppressing and, um, you know, bottling shit down, you know, that's when Mm dis-ease sets in. You know, that's when we become dysregulated. And so it, we create the perfect uh, opening for for disease to come in. And so, um, once I like took that leap of faith, I remember within two weeks, I had a full practice. I was booked every single day. I mean, granted, it was friends, and I just was giving them all like a you know, I was like, I don't even know, like I'm just gonna do this donation based. But my friends' donations were monumental when it came to doing sessions with me. Um, they believed in me. They showed up. They drove to me. Some of them drove from, like, counties away just to have sessions with me. And I was like, okay, like, you know, here we are, you know. I, I, I'm I, here for it. Um, but I remember just that moment in my heart just feeling like this is right. Like it just, I got such a hell yes in my body that I knew in my heart that this was not coming from a place of like any place other than source. Like this was not me that was doing this work. This was the universe. This was my spirit guides. God, you know, whatever higher power is up there, my angels that were just, you know, channeling through me, I, I'm like, I am not the water. I am just merely the faucet. And I am just being guided to help people, wherever, where and I'm just being placed. I until this day, I've just said, like, place me where I need to help people heal.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, I love so much of of the way in which you describe it. Like the, the part that like there's lots of parts that really ring to me, but the first part that really resonated with me is the idea that you're sick because you're not using your gifts. And when I look around at the at my life, because truly that's all I can speak to is my life. And sure. You know, when when you're not using your gifts, whether that's getting up and going and doing something that you're not proud of, or living a life where you're not giving everything to it, or there's there's no meaning in your life for some reason. Like that's how you get sick because you're constantly lying to yourself and the body keeps the score. The body knows right. that you're doing things that is wrong and it's hard for the body to do it. And you're forcing this wrong. It's like it's like trying to shove your foot in a shoe that's way too small for you every day. Like, yes. what are you doing? Put the right side, get a cool pair of shoes and put that on.
2: You deserve it. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's so. Thank you for that. Like, yes. And once you begin walking, you're like, these shoes are way more comfortable. I think I could go for a run. I think I could jump in these things. You know, I feel so much more happier. And like, yeah. Like, what is it though? Like, in your opinion, Angela? Like, do people have to get broken? Do you have to get sick before you make that change? Like, how? How do? Sometimes I. Sometimes I think like you have to be broken in order to, to start making that change. And that kind of makes me sad, but I, I don't know, is that true? Or are there ways to not do it or do it before you get broken? Or what do you think?
1: Gosh, that is such a great, a great question. Um, you know, sometimes I think the greater the fall, the greater the impact, right?
0: Yes. That's well said.
1: Um. And at the same, at the same time, like, I, I believe that if people would be more open to hearing others' stories, then maybe they could start looking into themselves sooner, you know, and start addressing some of these, these deep wounds because we all carry them. I mean, you know, it's just, some of us are more sensitive, I think. You know, like like I feel that me growing up into this meta in this metaphysical home and having these metaphysical physical, I guess you could say, gifts made me a little more sensitive to energies. So the way that my body responded to trauma maybe it was a little more heightened than let's just say someone else that could have went the same thing and they didn't experience the trauma the way that, that I did. So, and that's actually something that I see in my practice is that the people that I started working with, I, I, you, I, like, there was a moment there where I was just working with high schoolers. And a lot of them were like, I think I have trauma. <laughs> I was like, you think you have trauma? I think you probably do, mm-hmm. but they they really wanted to learn how to access it. And I feel like this younger generation is starting to become more aware of their feelings and they're um, trying to like, you know, really connect more to their emotions, whereas I feel like there's just, you know, which is, I'm so, so happy to see that. That there's a lot of like older generations that I have seen, you know, like for myself, you know, and like around my age, it's like we were just taught to suppress things, you know, to kind of like, and especially where I grew up, it was always about like, you know, tough love and like, mm-hmm. suck it up and, you know, yeah. chin up, you know, it stops crying. It didn't hurt that mm-hmm. bad. And it's like, Oh, okay. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I think that it's a very um, it just, I, I, I think that, yes, I think, unfortunately, we have to kind of go through our own trials and turbulences before we get to that other side of owning who we are, because it's part of our journey. You know, it's like we've, and it's part of, um, I think it's also like part of this inner like, agreement, right? Like, I don't know if you've, like, there's a couple books that I've read and from what I've studied is that we've agreed to our journeys and how we, my my mentor always taught me. She said, you know, we are here achieving our dharma. So what's your dharma? How we get to our dharma is our karma. So whatever karma we have to burn (laughs) to get to where we are meant to be is just part of our path so that we can have and carry that same empathy and compassion to help others do the same. So, you know, I would hope that we don't need to go through so much, you know, to heal, to get to where we need to be. Um, But unfortunately, I feel that a lot of us agreed, our souls agreed to it before we were born. Um, And so we're here, you know, to evolve and ascend and, um, this is, you know, how we get, you know, how we evolve and ascend is really up to, up to us, really, you know, we could choose the hard way or we could choose the easy way. <laughs> and oftentimes we don't know how to choose the easy way seems so much harder, right? Mm-hmm. Like easy way to be, felt so much harder. Like, like being just out and open and owning who I am was so hard as a teenager. And it's still kind of hard, you know, to this day, just owning who I am and, um, and it's part of my journey, but you know, tough like, but stuffing it down made it so much more difficult. So yeah, <laughs> <you know. laughs>
0: yeah, I agree on so much. And and like our friend Zach Flynn and Doctor New are bringing up all these great points about you know the way to live through the way to live your life is to face your your traumas and things like that. But you're right. Like, what's easy? I want her to quote that said, "In life." If you do what is hard, your life will be easy. And if you do what is easy, your life will be hard. I always kind of played with wow. that on some level.
1: Wow. You know,
0: it's pretty crazy that to think about, right? It is so
1: good. Like, <laughs> I know. Yeah, it just like filled my heart right there. Like, oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. I yeah, love it,
1: that. It's so it, true. Gotta it it is. Way. It's so hard to do that. <laughs> yeah,
0: I know. Like, like it, it seems so counterintuitive to be like, you know what? Wake up and do what you love. But for me for so long, I'm like, yeah, no one's going to pay me to do that. No one wants to, no one wants to hear me get up, be a podcaster and make all kinds of money. Like that's not going to work. And then like Uh, you get to a point point, you're like, why wouldn't it work? You mean this thing where you get up and you go do something that you hate doing? Like that doesn't work either. Why don't you try doing this thing you love? And the more that I look back on that, like all the stories I was told as a kid, like all the mythologies that I loved, and all the biographies that I read of people that were like, you know, you can do it whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can't. Either way, you're right. Like I started looking back on my life and I'm like, yes. why don't I listen to all these things that have inspired me my whole life? Why don't I start doing these things? Like it's in every book that I found myself drawn to. Do the thing yeah. you love. Just yes. do it. And like you start going down that path and you're like, Maybe in the beginning you're like it's not gonna work, but then all of a sudden like you start seeing these signs. Like I look at the clock and it's always like 444, 222,
1: that's my 333. <laughs> four forty four, two twenty two, three thirty three. Those are my numbers. Imagine that eleven eleven and three 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 and five five five. Like I don't really see like two 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 or any others, but like four four four. Those are my like <laughs> that's my my special numbers. That's so awesome. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's
0: fascinating, right? It's it's crazy to think the way the world will unfold in front of you if you just take the time to believe in yourself and use your gifts like you have them. People have them. And maybe, maybe those of us who have had life ripped away from us when we were vulnerable, maybe we were more open to… To seeing a spiritual side, but I, I think that the spirits are there for everybody to embrace and begin learning about and begin learning a fuller life on some level. Or do you think that's true?
1: I I completely, completely agree with that. Um, especially because, you know, so many of us um are kind of living really empty lives, you know, we're just Filling it yep. with so much substance. Yes. I mean, and the substances are like food, alcohol, distractions, um, even our phones, right? Like yep. we are so distracted from the simple things that what makes us whole, which is, you know, our spirit, nature,
2: yeah. you know, like yep.
1: um, just, you know, good food, nutrition. I mean like good people people nowadays are yeah. Yeah. just carrying so much toxicity and toxic energy that it's can be even painful just to like be around them and and then we're we're just so lost in our own stews because just the way of the world is that the way of the world right now is just leading everybody into an emotional and mental like health crisis is right now and you know, I think that we are spending more time medicating and distracting ourselves Mm -hmm. from feeling anything. And we're just, all we're doing is just emptying ourselves more and more instead of just listening to our spirits and, you know, filling our cups and Filling our souls and giving us, giving our body, mind, and spirit what it truly needs to heal.
2: Yeah.
0: On some levels, I feel like, like the, on some level, I feel like the the curtain is being slowly opened up, you know, and like the light's kind of coming in. You know, like when, when you first wake up, you're like, oh, it's so bright. I can't see. Yes. But all of a sudden, your yes. eyes begin to adjust and you're like, oh my God, I have been sick for so long. Oh my God, no wonder that person's like that. You know what happened to them? And no wonder they're horrible to be around because they hate yeah. themselves. Oh my God, yes. I'm too bad for them now. I used to not want to be around them, but now I get it. Like I see their trauma. And, oh my God, look at their mom. Their mom has that same problem. And you start yes. About, oh my God.
2: Trauma, right?
1: I was just going to say, anas- like ancestral trauma <laughs> yeah. and the lineage of, and I see it even with my clients in my practice. Yeah. It's like, I'll have a client that comes to me. I know nothing about their family and then I'll, you know, pick this up and then we'll I'll they'll say, "Oh, can you work on on my mom?" and then I'll like their mom will come in and I realize that the trauma that I just cleared from them the same the mom was carrying that. And I said, "Did you feel that when you were carrying your, you know, your daughter or your son?" So yeah, I've carried that my entire life. And I was like, well, do you realize (laughs) that I just cleared that same trauma from them and they had no idea why they were so afraid of, of this particular thing. And, Mm -hmm. and I, you know, then I started to think, like looking at my own, I mean, every time I I, I, like that comes up, then I start looking at myself and just um, because I've been going through a little, um, some other, other health issues with Lyme disease. I have had to um, take a break from Los Angeles and I moved to Pennsylvania temporarily to be with my mom. And I'm seeing now again, like, like I'll be feeling something yeah. and then she'll say something out of the blue. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I didn't even know you thought those things. Like I've been feeling these things and this is why I feel this way that I, yeah, it, it's just wild. Ugh how mm-hmm. we are so connected to our own family's trauma and we don't even have to know what trauma that that is it's kind of like it really makes like it's mind-boggling because it, again it's like we're all energetically tied you know we all have energetic these energetic cords within us that connects us to people to our relationships to our family and you know, and it's interesting, and it's wild, too, because I, you know, I mean, I only had my dad until I was nine, but my mom says all the time, you know, like, sometimes she'll tell me, like, you know, you're just like your dad was. And I was like, well, I didn't even, <laughs> even know my dad. So, clearly, our genetics play a huge tie in in our trauma.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, like I've been speaking with so many storytellers and just doing all these different – I've had this really cool – awakening in my world where I've begun to facilitate these cool conversations. And I've been getting to read all these different books. And and I started looking back on my family and all these people, these incredible people that I'm speaking with. And I start to realize how many similarities, like the words are different, but the story's the same. And it hit hit me like, it's all of our stories, all this trauma. And 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 that that's how you bond with people. Like this thing we yes. call suffering is the tapestry with which we've covered ourselves, and it's it belongs to all of us. And when you, as an individual, begin to realize and and face this this trauma in your life, you're helping to entangle the knot in the tapestry and be like, hey, and you could see it in other people. Like, oh my God, that person's going through what, I, and so are they. And pretty soon you realize we're just one giant organism. We've been fighting ourselves for so long. That we we don't know which way is up, but that, that unravel, or maybe it's not so much of an unraveling as it is a weaving together of like all of it's all of our stories. Yeah, death, family members being ripped away, dis doing something you hate. Hey, welcome to the tribe. Stop, right. you know, welcome. Come over here. Let me give you a hug. I'm sorry, guess what right. happened? Yeah, that, that happened to me too. Like, right. and I think we're seeing that, right? Like, that's the beginning of of healing and the triumph over trauma and this, this idea of heal that we've been talking about.
1: Yeah. Do you think so? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, community is everything when you're trying to heal from trauma. Yeah. And when, you know, I was in my early twenties, um, I was, I think subconsciously searching for that and trying to find that community. And I, I mean, I feel like I can, I'm safe to say this on this podcast, but, um, you know, I turned to raving.
2: Yeah, nice.
1: Like, I was a big raver girl, and I had my rave family and my trans family, but I look back on those days, and, you know, I did a lot of psychedelics. um, (laughs) Awesome. And, but I didn't do them the right way, but maybe (laughs) for that moment, they were the right thing. Guaranteed. Because it brought me this sense of community because we were all on the same level of all of us were going through, like through something, you know, that we all had been through something and that connection, that family, that, um, that bond that, that we shared that actually made me feel whole. And I think that was like, would have been, been like really the first time that I actually felt somewhat healed was when I was doing the MDMA. Yeah. in. Yeah in that community and, and, and in that, um, you know, that vortex that I was in, I mean, I could, I've been better at it and healthier at it and made better decisions overall in that situation. And then some of those situations, sure. But at the end of the day, the community that I, that I have and, or that I had, and I still actually, even though I don't really, I don't rave anymore, but they, those, Uh, those people are still very much bonded to me and are still very dear friends of me, of mine. And when I was sick, they were still there for me. So they weren't just like, oh, the party friends that just showed up, you know, they were the friends that were there for me, you know, and they're still, you know, I'm still very good friends with them. Um, You know, they're still like my family. And so, yeah, I, I believe that this community of of he of healing and these trauma bonds um, are real, you know, and we're just going. We we all have to go through that process, and we all have different ways of going through that process, especially at different ages and stages in our lives.
0: Yeah, I think that gets back to what you said earlier in the conversation about like you have to do your own work. Like you can have all the tools, you can have the right mindset, you can have everything. But doing doing your own work is hard there's a lot of tears there's a lot of pain there's a lot of you know blaming there's a lot of like self-doubt you know but only through that process it's like alchemy when i think back to the alchemist it's like turning lead into gold yes. like that's what you're doing with your body and your life and maybe that's maybe that's what this process is maybe your first 40 years are lead you know or yes. your first 30 and you're like okay how do I transform? I've heard the stories, I've seen people do it. How do I do it? And then you begin your own alchemy, your self-alchemy, and like, oh my God, I'm changing. I can see myself change. My relationships are changing. People are looking yes. at me different. It's happening.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 I mean, and part of that, I was going, I went through like imposter syndrome Just for totally. a while there because I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like people are, are seeing me in a different light but I'm also showing my showing up for myself in a different yeah. light but I don't recognize this version of myself and I hope I like her. <laughs> <laughs> Like, this person? This person? i hope she's cool i hope she's yeah. cool as the girl that was in her 20s and my friends are like i think actually she's cooler <laughs> she, she's 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 a little more a little more she, she knows who she is a little more than she did when she was in her 20s so i hope that she's, she's cooler i think she's much better
0: <laughs> yeah well let's talk about that for a minute like part of letting go is watching the change that happens inside of you. And it does feel like death. I know that like, I know on Uh some level, I I was talking to my friend, Emil, and he's like, oh, I I don't like the death metaphor, George. And I'm like, I can't think of a better way to describe it. He says maybe it's an energy exchange or something like that. But I always use this idea of like letting go of the person you used to be so that you can become the person you're supposed to be. You know, but it's difficult to see part of you float away and be like, but I like that part of me. You know, like you, like you, you see, you can physically feel this part of you drifting off. Or maybe it's like you're looking back on yourself, but it's a weird position to be in, right? Like, is this person still going to be cool? Is it still going to be me? Like, maybe you could talk more about that. Like, what is that?
1: Yeah. You know, that's such a, this is such one of my favorite topics, actually. Um, I love this topic because I call it the dark night of the soul.
0: I love it. John of the Cross.
1: Um, Yeah, um, I mean, I know, I like. I mean, I didn't make it up or anything like that, but it's it's a common uh, phrase. But this dark night of the soul, it is the most painful process. Or you know, there's also they call the butterfly effect, where you kind of go into this this cocoon phase, and you're just you know brought into this deep cocoon and we know that that caterpillar that turns into the butterfly is going through a very very painful process right so this dark night of the soul where we're just or this death this rebirth is just um it's like we're in this state of nothingness Like mm-hmm. you know it's like we're not here we're not there we're in this cocoon. We're in this, this middle part of nothingness where it feels like nothing is happening because all we can feel is the pain, the pain and the, the agony and the loneliness. Uh, I mean, I experienced loneliness. I don't know if everyone else does, but there's, you know, there's even these moments when I was going through. So like, you know, when I was going through my Lyme treatments and my Lyme disease journey, I wanted to die. I mean, I didn't even feel like that when I was going through cancer, but when I got, when I got ill with Lyme, I just remember thinking to myself, like, I just wanted to die. Like, that's, that's just, just, this is too difficult. And I feel that, that, you know, thank, thank God I had my spirit and all the tools that I had to get me through it. But that death was so painful. And that transformation was but like I thankfully I had my clients who were checking in on me and my friends that were checking in on me that constantly my family that constantly reminded me every single day that I was going through this for to help other people heal. And I'm not kidding, that's what really for me is I I, because I couldn't do it for myself, you know, and sometimes healing can be so difficult. That and I feel like that's why there's a lot of suicides because Mm. it's just too difficult. It's too painful to face these demons, because as we all know, like disease is not just a physical journey. It's it's an emotional and a you know it takes us to the depths of our soul that we didn't even know existed within our within our beings, and we really have to dive deep, and and go through this. And it's not easy and so for me every day i i just woke up saying i had my mantra was i turned my pain into purpose turning my pain into purpose i don't know what that purpose is yet (laughs) um i mean i knew what it was because i was already in my practice and doing what i needed to do to help others because i was still you know i wasn't working much but i was still seeing clients during the process but if it wasn't for that i don't think i would have been able to make it because like I said, I, I just, there are times when you just get so, when that dark night of the soul rolls in and that death comes in, it's like, it it, I, it is the most horrific thing. And I'm just so, so thankful that at the same time that I went through it, it's like the weird, yeah. during that time I was like, oh my God, I can't do it every day, yeah. every day, I'm gonna die. Mm-hmm. I hate this, oh my gosh. <laughs> And then when I came out of it, and I've been coming out of it, and I've been looking back, and I'm just like, that sucked, but that was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Um. The whole my whole journey has just been so beautiful. It a true gift. Truly, a true gift.
0: Um, yeah. It, I do. I, I I think it's I think it's super important to to underscore that the dark night of the soul and the feeling of loneliness and the feeling of despair. And I think it speaks to what we free is saying, like on some level we've been conditioned our whole life to see the world in the, with blinders on. And he brings up a good point about media and school and conditioning. And, you know, we've, we teach our children, at least in the Western world, we've taught our children to sit in a classroom in front of an authoritarian figure and that you shouldn't, speak up to them and you have to have these bells and whistles that condition you like a pavlovian dog and you you sometimes the smartest kid in the room is scolded for speaking out because something doesn't make sense and these are all ways we're conditioned and this all leads to this moment later in life when you have this awakening where you're like it's all wrong like if you don't face that like like I know what he's talking about. Both parents going to work and make it. I get it. Like I have did it for so long because I was afraid to look at the alternative. Like this idea that like, yeah, that is all wrong. But the question we free is this, what are you going to do about it? You're going to keep getting up and going to work and doing this thing. Like, and I, I get it. What about the mortgage payment? What about your kids? What about your family? How are you going to feed them? You know, like that level of stress that gets upon you. If you stopped going down the wrong road, you're going to lose. Like I get it, but that's the, but the, the, the truth is if you keep going down that road, you lose. You have to stop doing all those things. Both parents working, not making enough, stop. Just quit. Knock it off. Find another way to do it because you know where that road leads. That that road leads to a town called nowhere, constant right. despair and never living a life worth living. And That, that gets us back to what, what I think the dark night of the soul is, is finally – understanding what's meaningful to you and doing something about it. Like that dark night is necessary because that's the soul awakening to the idea of give me meaning. I can't do it anymore. If we do this, we're dying. It's the world telling you you're dying. Do something, use your gifts, help people. And and that's a good way to do it too, is starting to help other people or starting to look at other people like Like seeing their despair, that's a window into your despair. The things you recognize in other people, that's a sign of what's wrong with you. I hate that person because they're super arrogant. (gasps) That's me that's arrogant. That's the world telling me.
1: (laughs) Right. We're all mirrors of each other. We're all mirrors. Right. And the things that we don't like in other people are often the things that we don't like within ourselves. And Yes. And vice versa. The things we love about other people are the things that we love that we love within ourselves and um and I truly I truly believe that we're you know we're all reflections and we have to as much as we don't like to look at the bad parts of ourselves and you know I hate to break it to you all but we're not perfect and we all have some things within ourselves that you know could be looked at a little bit better and that's okay. I think people take it really offensively when you call them, you know, when they're called out or you know if when you bring that up that you know hate to break it to you, but you have some things that you need to look at. Not many people want to look at it because it doesn't feel good. And, yeah, and I mean, yeah, no, no one likes to do that, but it's the work that we have to do to be better than we were the day before and better for the people within around us, within our, you know, within our circles.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. Sometimes you have to be broken, like I think. Maybe this gets back to the idea of of having to break so that you can be reborn. Is that it's so hard to look at? You know, I once heard a quote that said there's two way people change. One is through inspiration, and the second is through desperation. And it's wow. when you're it's when you're desperate that you're like, okay, I have to change. If I don't change, yeah. I lose everything. Like it's nice to be inspired, and it's nice to think that you could read something and act on it. But most people, myself included have to go through despair sometimes in order to truly understand you know you don't you don't know what you have to you lose it and then by that time it's too it's gone but hopefully you won't lose the next one but it's, right. it's those, those forces those two dogs that are fighting inside
2: of you right
1: gosh gosh that's so interesting that you bring that up because um that was the start of my Lyme disease journey
0: <laughs> mm, let's hear about it
1: was 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 basically it was that. Um so I I'm not sure if you're familiar with, with Reiki, but the way that Reiki like with the attunements is that there are three different attunements. You have your level one, level two, and then you have your master and your master teacher. And before I became a master and a master teacher, I had my practice for I think four or five years. And I then my, my Reiki master was ready to, I, I, you know, I wanted to do it right. I wanted, I was like, if I'm going to become a master, I'm going to wait until I actually feel ready. Cause Mm -hmm. a lot of practitioners out there, and I talk about this actually in Rand's book is that they want to rush their, their attunements, their, their certifications. And it's like, do you feel really ready to be a master or a master teacher after only being in practice for six months? And or, you know, three months or whatever. It's so I really wanted to own my practice for a while before I even stated that I was a master. And not that we are ever, you know, this journey of life is self-mastery, but right. before I became but before I got my certification on paper, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um so I ended up getting that done and I have getting that certification, taking that um, those the courses to become a master and a master teacher, I like a week later, I had to have a just a major surgery because after breast after I had my gotten my breast implants from having a mastectomy from having breast cancer, those whole five years, I was having a lot of weird um, pain in my in my left shoulder in mm-hmm. this area. Um, and I mean, now that I know what I know, I should have never gotten implants because of the black box warning, but that's mm. a whole other, other story. <laughs> um, but I started having all these like this weird pain, and it took them five years to figure out that my subclavian artery and my brachial plexus nerve was being compressed between my cervical rib and my clavicle. So, um, I, you know, like, so I had finally gotten that, that, a diagnosis of, of a thoracic outlet syndrome. And so I thought, okay, great. I'm just going to go in, I'm going to get this rib removed. You know, I, I can go back to my, my Reiki practice and go back to my life. And to be honest, like I was also living in, um, a water damaged home that mm-hmm. we didn't really understand. Uh, or like, I didn't, I didn't understand, like there was actually major issues with that, um. I I wasn't, I didn't think I was getting sick. Um, and then, you know, but like my relationship was also quite stressful and traumatic. Um, and so I had this surgery and there, they, they accidentally like punctured my lung during the really? surgery, but they didn't know that they punctured my lung. Um, so I was in the hospital, uh, my lung collapsed. <laughs> Um, I almost died on the operating table because I only had so many more minutes before um, my heart like went into cardiac arrest while I was on the operating table. And so they had to keep me under anesthesia for a very long time so that they could keep my heart stabilized. But we didn't realize like until the next day after the surgery that my lung had fully collapsed. So I had maybe like 15 minutes or 30 minutes to live and they were, rushing me up to the ICU and giving me a chest tube. And I was in the hospital for 10 days. And after that, I got home, you know, back to my, I was living with my boyfriend at the time and I couldn't stand up longer than a minute without passing out. I couldn't walk. Um, and it got worse and worse and worse. Um, it was very, very scary and this was in April of 2019, Um, I started having like all of the symptoms that I had worked so hard at putting into remission, like all the allergy stuff, um, all of the things that I had dealt with post-cancer were all coming back into play. And the worst part was that my Reiki master moved back to Brazil And she was just diagnosed with leukemia. And I'm like, okay. And I'll never forget this. And then she sent me this message. And she said, Angela, when the when the student's ready, the teacher appears. But when the master is ready, the teacher disappears.
0: Wow. Wow. That's a, I never heard that before.
1: And I just like, <clears throat> I just remember being on the phone with her. And I'm just like. I'm not a master. She goes, Well, you got the certification on paper. It's now your turn to complete this mastery in like with this with what whatever. We didn't know what, what it was, what was going on. She's like, it's, you know, it's time for you to become your own self master. And I'm like, I don't even know, like, this is, this is like another level. Like Every tool in my toolbox was gone. I'm like, I'm owning my gifts. I'm speaking my truth. I'm I'm doing all of the right things. I'm eating the best diet. Like I can't even stand up. And it's all this, you know, and I'm thinking it's just mechanical error. It's Mm. mechanical error. But like in my heart, like I knew that this was leading me down I knew something was leading, like it was leading me down to this path because after that, like shortly, um, I started getting diagnosed with every neurological condition under the sun. Mm. My relationship with my boyfriend was falling apart. <laughs> um, my, I couldn't work. Uh, I could barely work at this time because I couldn't stand up. Um, I couldn't eat. I was reacting negatively to everything. Like, I here I was plant based, you know, paleo, plant based, low histamine diet. Like, doing all of these things, thinking I'm like I I'm not getting well. Like, and I just keep getting worse and worse and worse. And ultimately, it led me home because my my boyfriend and I we broke up. He we you know he broke up with me. It was we just. We were just in uh, two different places clearly within our lives um he wasn't going he was going through a negative space um with himself and i was we were both kind of like we either have to jump ship because if we stay in this boat we're gonna sink so um i ended up you know renting out i had um and also additionally in living with him i had an apartment that i was renting out so i had to find another tenant to rent out my apartment, and I went back to Pennsylvania. Like In my heart, I also knew that there was a reason why I was not getting any answers anymore in California. And so I came home because my mom was having a knee replacement surgery, and I offered to be there to help her, even though I was so sick at this time. I didn't even know how I was going to help her when I couldn't even help myself,
2: mm.
1: but um, I had an old neighbor check in on me to see how, you know, if I was made at home or not. And I happened to be going into another anaphylactic reaction from a meal that I had cooked. And he started talking to me about Lyme disease and getting, getting, you know, checked for it. And I said to him, I'm like, how does that even possible? um I've lived in California my like you know for the last you know 18 years at that time so at the time I was 30 you know I was 35 36 and he's like yeah but you were you were born here and he's like it doesn't he goes and you just you know we're in a traumatic relationship you just had a very traumatic surgery Lyme is an opportunistic infection um and if you were living in mold that activates it your immune system was low it created a perfect storm it definitely could have reactivated or just activated and he's like and it's killing your nervous system and so i you know after a long month of fighting i finally went and found out that yes i actually had Lyme disease and co-infections babesia bartonella mold toxicity i got my answers But then what I found out during that process was I actually had it my whole life, my whole life. That was what was causing all of my mysterious health issues from childhood. And then that was actually the breast cancer was the symptom of Lyme disease. And it all made sense. I'm like, I had to go to the root cause the root, emotional, spiritual cause of my Lyme disease was in my roots. Pennsylvania. So it, so I'm living in the house that I experienced all of my trauma from the get go from the early on. And so as I've been healing myself, through this journey of Lyme using all of my alternative therapies that I've been, you know, doing with, within my practice, um, I have been working on the generational ancestral trauma with my mom and spiritually with my dad, you know. Um because I truly believe, you know, as I always say, you know, we have to get to the root and that's a that, that's not just a physical disease, it's a spiritual, you know, disease. So um so here I am, hmm. you know, healing myself literally my mind, body and spirit by by being here and you know, really healing that generational trauma which which is helping my me, you know, get through, um, this, you know, this infection, this disease. And, you know, I'm really grateful to, to share that I, you know, I'm not showing positive, um, for any types of infections in my body anymore. I still have the inflammation that the the body is still holding. It's like the lime is the fire. So the fire is out. So now I'm just healing the damage that the fire caused, um, right now. But, but it's just been such a deep, dark journey of having to be here after, you know, 18, like now it's been, you know, I've been out in LA like 20 years, but to be here, healing from this and going through these multiple dark nights of the soul and the trauma and reliving it, like, it's, it's been one of the deepest, darkest journeys. And ironically, um, you know, all my friends that, was, that I grew up with, like, they're, they're, they're still here, but they have families and they got marriages and they have kids. So as a kid, I never really faced my trauma. I, I ran from it. You know, my trauma release was calling up friends and being like, Oh, let's have a sleepover. Let's go out. Let's go do this. You know, so I never really sat with it. And so now all my friends, they're busy, you know, they got their own lives. So the only person I really have is my mother. And that, um, you know, is the relationship that I'm healing right now the most is me and my mom um, and the trauma that we went through together, losing, you know, my father, but also the trauma that I went through with her um, when she was going through her own healing process, because I didn't really have her back then. But now we have each other now. And we are, you know, healing a lot of our of our ancestral and our, you know, that energetic tie, because, like, had I not maybe got Lyme, like maybe we wouldn't have had this opportunity to to heal this wound, this deep wound that we've had and we've been carrying for quite some time.
0: Yeah, that's it's it's amazing to think if you look at it on a larger. If you zoom out on the X axis or if you look at it on a longer timeline sometimes we're called back home because the events that are about to unfold in our life are imaginable, but scary to think about. You know, I always think about when I'm being called somewhere like, Hey, I I might have to do this. And like, Hmm. Okay. What does that mean? What if I'm, what if I'm feel like every ounce of me is pointing back to this place where I came from and like, I've been not heeding that call. And then you start losing things like listen, the world's trying to tell you something. And you can wait and put it off, or you can listen to it and start reacting to it. And I, I found that if you put it off, it just it, it calls to you until you answer. And that call gets louder and violent and crazier. So if you can just listen to the voices, the ang- whatever, however, it is you want to describe the 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 being, the world, nature, God, however, you want to describe what's talking to you. Listen to it because it's it's meaningful and you, your life will be more meaningful, which brings me to another point. Angela, maybe isn't it interesting that sometimes the people we lose, our relationship deepens with them, even though they're no longer here with us. I'm wondering yeah. if you can maybe speak to that for a moment. I got to shut off my camera for one minute, but so carry the conversation for a, for a minute while I fix this thing. Maybe you could speak to that for a moment.
1: Oh my gosh. I love, I love these questions that you're asking me because like, these are questions that I just love to talk about. Um, so absolutely when I truly believe that when our, our loved ones cross over, we are still, like you said, we're very connected to them. Um, and I went through a very rough period when I lost my father, how like, you know i think i went through every emotion that you could think of towards him i was angry at him but i loved him i hated him but i need felt like i still needed him and i didn't really know how to access him and i feel like a lot of people might relate to that when they lose people that they really love especially when when it happens so unexpectedly and you don't get to have that that spiritual emotional or physical closure with them Um, but something that I have really like learned to, um, learn to do during my, my, my illnesses was to start connecting to my dad. And, you know, even if you don't have like a loved one that you crossed over that has like crossed over, you can still learn how to connect with, with angels and, um, you know, your spirit guides, but, There's a, there is a special bond, you know, I'm going to speak about him because there is a special bond that I have with him now that I didn't really have before. Um, And I feel like now when we, when I speak to him or communicate with him, like he shows up in ways that makes me know that it's him. Um, And... I know that he has shown up for me in ways, but before, and if I look back on those ways before I, I could see it now, but at first I didn't, but there are so many things that you can like, for example, like numbers, yeah. my dad's numbers for me are five, five, five. Like, so whenever I see five, 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 I know it's him saying hi. Um, there are certain things that I can like, I'll dream about him. And we'll have some really nice talks or even sometimes just because I do, I, I have developed a lot of like my, my clairaudient gifts. Um, so I can hear him now. So if I need to speak to him about something and I'll, I'll just sit down and say, okay, I'm open to receiving your messages, dad. Just this is my issue. Like, this is what I need to like, I need your support in this. I need you to help me. and like having just knowing that he does hear me and sometimes it takes them a minute to get back to me. Cause they're busy over there. Um, I've learned that if I really need him, I have to make an appointment. <laughs> um, but the relationship has healed tremendously. And he just because he might be gone physically and I, you know, I've lost other loved ones since then but they all show up and I tell you when I did feel that loneliness and the loneliness wasn't like, no, it wasn't like nobody checked on me or nobody talked to me. It's that loneliness of like, I'm going through something major right now and I don't know what's going on with my body. My body feels like it's been, you know, kidnapped. It's, it's kind of like, I don't, I I don't even know. You don't even know how to explain your symptoms when you have Lyme because it's not your typical sickness feelings and, it, and you look fine the whole time. So like it was hard for me to look at myself in the mirror and some days I would look really sick, but some days I'd be like, well, I look okay. Why do I, why do I feel so terrible? Um, why can't I stand up longer than five minutes? Why can't I, you know, why, 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 why? Mm. Um, and sometimes I would experience like 15 different symptoms within a matter of minutes And that's where that loneliness comes from is just having these painful experiences, not being able to explain them because you've never felt them before. And it's really hard to describe unless you've gone through Lyme. Um, But to feel like it's also taken away every bit of joy in your life. That having those loved ones that passed over um, really like that was the only thing I could really truly feel is that their heavy presence and their energy that would comfort me. And that's why I think that we, if we could just all tap into that other realm, we'd realize that we're really never alone (laughs) and that energy from who you know whether it's nature your angels the divine whether it's you know what past loved ones it's truly there um it's just that we have to kind of take a step back and just sit with it and and allow it to embrace us
0: that is it's really well said i I think it's Carl Jung who said that there's things in your life that you can't learn that can only develop inside of you. Oh and
1: gosh, you are hitting it with the quotes today. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that was breathtaking. That was so good.
0: Yeah, it's like I, I think we're you know, we have probably lived through some, and, and so too is for everybody listening, whether you're Zach or you're we free or you're Dr. New, like so many people that are, are magnetized and pulled towards us or because they've been through the same things. But this idea that some things can't be learned, they can only be developed inside of you. And that's, that, for me, that was like learning to sit with the uncomfortableness of of loss, pain, you know, um self-awareness, self-love, self-respect, the self, like sitting with all these negative traumas is like, it's really hard to do, but it's the only way to thoroughly understand the quote, this too shall pass. You must first sit with it, right? Like, right. and it's hard. Like, I don't want to think about this right now. And I'm, I was having a conversation with my wife yesterday about some tough things. And it's, we you know, we just sat there and it, she's like, look, George, you just got to sit with it. I'm like, "God, oh, she's so right all the time. And you do you just sit down with it and hold it and embrace it and be like yes that is true that is horrible yes. george and you did it and how you feel what's the point of that don't do yes. it anymore you, but all those uncomfortable thoughts if you push them away they cause blockages they cause pain they cause interruption just sit with them and, and like hold them and be like yes damn it yes. yep mm-hmm. i did yes. that i'm sorry yes. for that and then pretty soon it's like it's like the bully that's poking you. Like so are those thoughts. So those keep poking you until you just sit with them, and then they'll get bored and then they'll leave you. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you, you have to yes. learn to sit with that pain. It's hard.
1: Yes. Oh my <laughs> gosh, it's so funny. I just saw a quote today. Um, I actually just posted it on my Instagram. Yeah. It was it was by Rumi. Um, mm, the and, it was like, test. Um, and he said, "The cure to the pain is sitting in the pain." Mm. Yeah. And I, I mean, I was just like, I have to post this because mm-hmm. this is just, it's everything I, I should really like, we have to, we have to sit in it. I I like something I tell my clients, they say, like, sit in your squat, because squats are painful to me. Um, when you feel like you need to, that you want to do something based on a past behavior or based on a trauma response, or, you know, just something that's like a quick fix that you think is going to to help you mm-hmm. like I want you to sit in your squat like sit in there build that spiritual muscle build build that spiritual strength that you no longer have to access those thoughts or those behaviors that your behavior is just sitting with yourself yeah. in that pain so that you can rise above it the next time that that pain gets triggered within you
0: yeah it's Becoming aware, like I, self awareness is such a huge, right? It's huge,
1: huge, huge. Reparenting ourselves, Mm -hmm. huge. Inner child work, huge. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we are there are so many of us just walking around asleep and not aware, not aware of their energy, not aware of their their power, not aware of what they what like what they are and like, it's just, yeah. Um, we don't, there's so many people that just like to just project their stuff, like parasites all over other people. It's mm. just, oh yes. I'm, I'm like self-awareness. <laughs> Own your truth. Mm-hmm. Own your shit. <laughs> Sit in it. <laughs> Be with it. <laughs> Let it go.
0: Yeah what do you think are some of the real big takeaways? I mean, we've covered a lot, but is there something that you could leave the people with that, that without giving away too much of, of what we've written in the book, that, that maybe you could leave people with, that you've learned from your traumas, that is something they could begin thinking about today that may help them on their journey?
1: Oh, my gosh so much i'm trying to let me give me a second yeah to, well we've uh, covered
0: quite a bit of it you yeah. know we try to dance around i don't want to give away too much of what the book is and i think we yeah. did a good job at, at dancing around it because there's still so much to talk about but yeah you've got a unique journey you know is there you. You know, like and, and a, a, a unique way of looking at it a unique way of fighting it a unique way of using your gifts to make a better way for yourself and it set example for people like what what else could you leave people with
1: yeah it sounds, this is what's coming to me right now, yeah. and, um, and it's something like it's, an, it's another quote that I lived by, yeah. and it's a simple quote, Is do it afraid, um, and I say and it's so simple, but it's like, do it afraid, do it, it's scary, it's, it, but what you need is to get oversight on the other side, When we get out of our own way and we get over the fear we have nothing but love and light and i hate using that i know that sounds so like you know love and light but but really we only carry two vibrations love and light love and fear and when we are going through fear we carry this lower vibration and When we carry love, our vibration is higher. And by vibration is higher, disease can't set. And so if I can give any advice is, you know, regulate your nervous system. Be open to healing and be open to looking at the dark things that may scare you. Start there first start with the darkness, it'll lead you to the light. But we can't get to the light if we don't face our darkness. And also, make sure that you are really, like, allow yourself to be vulnerable. I think vulnerability is also another key thing that that comes with healing. And, you know, even make sure that your diet's right because, and that's a whole other topic I can talk about, you know, just with, you know, being a, a, a carnivore, you know, I, mm. I eat meat. You know, I'm a, I'm a carnivore. I only, you know, meat, salt, and water, and I love it. I do it because it's helped my body heal in tremendous ways. But it's amazing that I get a lot of crap for it in the spiritual community um, because everybody's so pro plant based. So the other big thing was, like, don't be afraid to take a chance to question the norm. Because this journey is all about you finding your spirit, even if it scares the shit out of you. And, like, things that wouldn't be – that. even if things aren't accepted, like, question it. Question everything. Question everything you've been taught. Mm. Question, you know, what what's the science says. Because, honestly – There's no scientific study when it comes to knowing yourself other than truly diving in and learning who you are and having this and and not being afraid and letting go and surrendering everything you have to your healing experience. That's going to help you thrive rather than just survive.
0: I love it. I love it. That's I I don't think I can add anything to that. It's it's wonderful. Well said. Ladies and gentlemen, go down to the show notes. Check out Angela. Be ready for the new book Heal that's coming out. You're probably going to hear a lot about it. There's a lot of people involved in it and everyone that is involved seems to have a unique journey where they found a different modality to heal themselves. Shout out to Dr. Randall Hansen for putting it all together. i um, super thankful for everybody participating in this. And I hope everybody that got to listen today is able to find something to take away. I'm super stoked to have everybody here. And um, thank you so much. Go down to the show notes, check everything out. And I will be back next week and go check out all the links, everybody. That's all we got for today. Aloha.
1: Aloha. Thank you so much, George.
0: Aloha, everyone.